He's my favorite announcement person. Um, hey, you said don't look. I was sitting there concentrating on not making any faces. I wasn't making any faces, I promise. I was being good. That's, yeah, they were just laughing at the way I look. How are y'all doing? Hey, um, so I am back um, for now. I don't have another time where I plan on um, missing again as of right now, so I'll, I'll be back for a while. I expected some loud, audible boo, but I mean, I've really missed uh, speaking to you guys. It's like the last six weeks, I think I've preached half of the time, so uh, which is very unusual because I'm usually the only person that speaks So, um, because I like it. Um, so on the, I have a few things to say about her announcements. Um, on the, uh, the True Light thing, whenever I first announced that we were going to be teaming up with the foster home, y'all were like, yes, we love that. We want to do something. We love serving. Um, and, then, and then we say, but we need uh, you to come and work kids ministry. Like, yeah, everything but that. <laughs> like, I'm in. I'm all in, except for that. Like, no, this is the that, and we need y'all. So this is the that. So we need you to plug in, and we need a lot of workers, a lot of, especially for the children's workers. Because I told them, hey, we're, gonna, we're here for you guys. We're going to serve you guys as best we can. Um, the, the, it wasn't the facilities issue because we have a building. They can use it anytime they want. It was that every single person, they have 35 adults, I think, um, that are going to be here. Uh, that can't be right because they're couples. And that's, that's an odd number. 35. Oh, they have 35 kids. A bunch of adults that are coming for training. It'll be an even number. Um, so a bunch of couples that are coming to be trained, and every single one of those has a kid. Because that's how foster kids works. They have kids. They all have kids. So um, we need your help. Um, and I don't ask for help a lot, but we need your help. Um, so I'm not telling you to pray about it. It's your church. You help. Okay? I'm your pastor. I'm telling you, help! Y'all are so scared of me. Um, and then uh, she said something about worship. Oh, I was in the back. I was doing the words today. That's why they were all messed up. For the songs. So if y'all are wondering, um, Larry's at, at, uh, at youth camp. The, all the teenagers are gone, so I had to do the words. And y'all are lucky you got anything on there at the right time. Um, so um, th- we, we sang this lyric that said, um, um, the battle belongs to you. I'm, uh, I will fight. When I fight, I'm on my knees with my hands lifted high. And I look around the room and everybody's like, when you sing a lyric that says, I will fight with my hands lifted high, you know what you should do. I'm just saying. Lift your hands high. There's this, there's a thing that happens. And some of you in here, you're like, "Ah, it's not really my thing. I understand it's not your thing. But there's a thing that happens in your heart whenever you get in the posture of worship. And it's just the physical, the physical element of it causes your heart to move, especially if you're someone that is not very expressive in worship, and you're like, this is this makes me uncomfortable. Everybody's going to look at me. Nobody's looking at you. I promise. If you start to do some of those weird things that some of those really charismatic people do, people will probably look at you. If you, like, start barking or, you know, you start running laps in here, people are going to look at you, but if you're so comfortable that you're running laps, you probably don't care what people think of you. Obviously, if, you bar- if you're one of those barking worshipers, I've, I've seen videos of those people, weird. But if you're raising your hands, that's not so far out. It may be for you in your heart, like an uncomfortable position. But I'm telling you, I remember whenever I came into a charismatic uh, church and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I raised my hands. I, will, I remember the intimacy that I felt with the Lord. And so whenever you get in the posture of worship, your heart also follows suit, and your heart gets in the posture of worship, and it really will help you. So when you fight, you can fight on your knees, and you can lift your hands high and worship, okay? Mm. This is not first service. You have to respond, okay? All right. So we are talking about our core values Today will be the last message of core values. We started, um, the way I preach, for those of you that don't know, is we go through a book of the Bible, and uh, last year, 
last two years, I'll just be honest. We went through the uh, book of 1 Corinthians, and we talked about the church, and it was like 50-something messages. We slowly walked through. We, we took every section, didn't skip anything. I'm someone that I would much prefer to just kind of pick the subject matter each week because I would never preach about anything hard. Uh, never preach about anything confrontational, and I would just do the easy stuff, and it would be fun. It would be great to do that, because then y'all would continue to be my friends. Um, but I, we go through the Bible, and we don't skip things. We talk about the controversial and the difficult things, the things that whenever we see our reflection, we're like, well, I'm nothing like that, and we see where we are lacking and where we need to grow, right? So we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're going to start that again next week. Um, but this week we're talking about our core values. The core values that we've talked about before are that we're wholly owned by God. Whenever we give our heart to Jesus, we are fully, we are wholly owned by him. And because he owns us where there's no part that we can keep back to ourselves, we have to give him all of us, right? So that's, that's one of the core values of Life Church. Another one is that we have servant leadership. Everybody that's in leadership doesn't look to be uh, exalted or lifted up. We are looking for ways that we can serve you. Because that's how Jesus lived. And so we feel like we should live that same way. So we're servant leaders. Every, everything we do is gospel-centered. Every message I preach, somehow, like I could come up here and preach about butterflies, and somehow it would be gospel-centered. Because we can't get away from it. Everything that we do is about spreading and sharing the gospel. And then the, uh, another thing is we, we talked about how the church is a hospital where broken people come and they get healed. That's like whenever uh, people say, uh, if you've invited people to church, they probably said, yeah, I'll go, but I got to get some stuff right in my heart first, and then I'll go to church. Well, look, this is what you say to them, and say it just like this, okay? Hey, dummy, <laughs> the reason you're in the predicament you're in is because you have been trying to do it yourself. Like, well, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. It's okay. There's room for one more. You can come. Like... <laughs> It, it, whatever it is, whatever their excuse is like, like, I don't want to go to the hospital. There are sick people there. Really? Because that's where you go to get healthy. So if, if the church is a hospital, people don't want to go to the church because there's messed up people there, and there are messed up people. You don't believe me. Look around the room. Like, some messed up people in here, and it's good because there's one on the stage right now. Messed up people here, and we're all just trying to get better. That's all we're doing. So we're not a country club. We're not here just to hang out with each other. We're here on a mission, right? And then a couple of weeks ago, I talked about hearing God speak, and I gave you some really practical things about how to hear God speak. Uh, today, we're going to talk about our, I guess I would say this is our newest core value. It's something that, uh, that we have, that has become a core value after moving and starting the church, and that is life groups. So you may have heard it called small groups or cell groups or house churches or a million different names. We call them life groups. I don't know if you know, but our church's name is Life Church. So we're going to call them life groups because uh, we're super creative. Um, like a laundromat called laundromat. Um, so our life groups are not a program of Life Church. Life groups are Life Church. This is the church. This is what we are about. There are many of you in here who were not around when we were doing them just a couple of months ago. We, we continue to grow and continue to, to invite new, new members. Um, if you have no connection with anyone here, then I want to challenge you to make a connection with someone so that it'll be easier for you to jump into a life group. Because my goal is to get every single person that attends our church to be plugged into a life group. Um, this is going to, but by the time you've been here for a month, I don't expect you to like, it's your first day. You're like, hey, listen, if I'm going to say this again later, but if somebody comes and it's their first day, do not pressure them to join a life group. Like that's, I've seen that happen. That's happened to me. And it's very uncomfortable. When you visit a church and they're trying to like get you to join these groups, just give them a little time, give them some space. I'm not saying don't talk to them. I'm just saying don't pressure them into, don't start making them feel guilty that they're not part of a life group. Wait a month and then make them feel guilty, okay? <laughs> then you can lay it on them. So um, most uh, churches will have uh, small groups as kind of an add-on to, like the people that are real serious about their faith uh, can join these uh, small groups. We are, at our church, we are serious about our faith. 
All of us are serious about our faith. And so uh, this is our identity, and this is for our long-term health. Let me tell you what I've seen, and you've probably seen the same kind of pattern. You, uh, kids go to church, and they go into kids' ministry, and then they go to junior high ministry, and then they go to high school ministry, and then whenever they graduate high school, they also graduate church. And they no longer attend church. The church we came from, we had anywhere between 200 and 400 uh, from high school students, just high school students. And in that, uh, in that group, whenever they graduated high school, usually the next school year, we kept about 10 of them. There would be um, 100 students that graduated, and about 10 of them stayed. And those, almost all of those, is because their family continued to go to the church. Um, but whenever they graduate, they would graduate out of church. Uh, I can tell you that, that the absolute best children's or youth program we can have is training parents to be their, the discipler of the kids. And so that is part of what we're doing in our life groups is to, is to train up adults so that they are purposely discipling their kids. So um, if I so what I would do is is part of us growing is we're growing in our knowledge of the Bible and we're growing in our relationships with each other. That's a big part of the life groups. If I told you, can you like, do you believe I just need a yes or no from everyone in the room? Do you believe it is important to live by the Ten Commandments? Yes or no? Yes. yes. See, everyone you're at church, you know, the answer is yes. Like, yeah, all but that one. Uh, so, yes, you believe. We all believe it's. So if I said to you, if, like, I brought you up here, I hand you the mic, you believe it's important to live by the Ten Commandments. You'd be like, yes. And then I would say, okay, name them. If you're standing up here in front of everyone, and I tell you, tell me all the Ten Commandments. Some of you could absolutely do it. Half, maybe, and I'm just trying to be optimistic. Half of you could say all Ten Commandments. Probably 90% of you could get to seven of them. Um, but if I said to you, name me 10 beers, you'd be like, I can name you 10 beers. I'll start with each letter of the alphabet. Like, I could tell you all the beers. But you can't name 10 commandments. So I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty at all. But no, I sort of I am. Um, <laughs> what, the reason I'm saying that, Pam, the reason I'm saying that is because, look, part of being in a life group helps you to grow. And it helps you to, to be able to answer the things that, like the, the basic, that really is basic Bible knowledge. That's, that's like Bible 101. And some of you are sitting in the seat right now feeling bad that you don't know all the Ten Commandments and you don't know them in order and you don't know where to find them in the Bible even. It's okay. Part of your growing and your discipleship, everybody in here is in a different spot in their relationship with Jesus and in their, in their Christianity. So I just, I don't want you to feel guilty. It's not about guilt. It's about, hey, look, I, I need to do something in my life that I haven't done yet that is going to get me to where I want to be, right? Are you all with me? So the church is the body of Christ, and the body is made up of individual cells in the body of Christ. The cells are the life groups. If the cells are healthy, then the body is healthy. If we can have uh, healthy cells, healthy life groups, then we will have a healthy body. So I'm going to talk... I'm going to say a lot of practical things that we're going to do today, but I'm also going to kind of tell you what the overarching message of our life groups is going to be. Um, but we don't have everything figured out. I know whenever you talk to me and you, and you look at the way I live my life, you think, that guy's got it all figured out. Right? Y'all think that? I'm just going to pretend y'all do. Because we don't have, I've often said this about church, I'm not sure it's supposed to be this much fun. We have fun. Every time we meet, we have fun. I can tell you, every time you've come into this building, no matter what your mood was when you came in, you laughed at some point before you left. Usually it's something stupid I say. But you laugh at some point, and then you maybe connected with somebody. And, and you leave, and you're like, as soon as you leave, you're like, that was good. Like, I needed that. That was, that was something. And so um, we don't have it all figured out. We're still, like, we may change all the things before the end of it all. But... Y'all are okay with that, right? We don't care. We're still going to change it. Like, I want you to be on board, but we're still just going to keep doing what we feel like we're supposed to do. So um, what, what you see often in churches is the pastor is the bottleneck. Um, I do not want our health contingent on me being the guy that stands up here and preaches. So if I start to feel 
Like the, there's this thing that happens in churches where the health of the church flows through the, the pastor and the person in charge. I'm not that guy. Like I'm just not that guy. I, if, if I feel like that we're starting to get to this celebrity pastor syndrome thing where the, everybody's kind of looking to me for answers, like I will purposely bring in guest speaker after guest speaker after guest speaker until y'all are like, okay, we miss you. We're tired of, of these. Because I'm not going to, it's not going to flow through me. We are not a personality-driven church, and we are never going to be a personality-driven church because those churches fail. And the reason those churches fail is because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, like nobody's perfect. And and when the the pastor does something wrong, people leave the church. Look, I if you spend enough time with me, if you spend a little bit of time with me, you're gonna be like, wow, this guy is a failure. Like he really is a failure. And it's okay. Like I am just the only thing different about me is I have the microphone. Like that's it. God has called me to do this, and I'm trying to do it my, my the the best I can as I lay down my way and I grab a hold of His way. I'm but I'm, I don't have all the answers, and I'm never gonna gonna try to make it look like I got it all down. Like I'm I'm purposely gonna stand up here and say I'm gonna try to be as authentic as I can. I don't have it all down, and I don't claim to have it all down. But what I do have is a fantastic team with us that are we're all submitting to the Lord and we're all running after Him with everything we've got. The personality-driven churches fail. Mission-driven churches succeed. And we are going to always be a mission-driven church. Does anybody want to guess what our mission is? It's really simple. You can have it memorized. If you can memorize like six words, that's our whole mission. Love God, period. Love others, period. Make disciples, period. This is what we do. This is what we're about. As a matter of fact, I think there's even shirts that say that. <laughs> Somewhere. Um, and if you fill out one of the membership cards, we'll give you a free shirt. That's me pitching to get you to be a member. Um, life groups are a way for us to accomplish that mission. Sometimes things will come along that are not, they're good things, but they're not part of that mission. What I will do is I will encourage you to do those things, but it's not something we're going to do at the church because it's not part of that mission. doesn't mean that it's not a good thing. It just means that it's not accomplishing the mission that we feel like God has called us to accomplish here in New Braunfels, okay? I need y'all to be here with me. So, um, li- uh, small groups or life groups are biblical. I have an Old Testament example and a New Testament example that I'm going to share with you. Uh, so the Old Testament example is from Moses. Moses is there. He's the guy. He's the man. And he's doing all the work himself. And he's burning out. He's getting up early in the morning. And he's working until late at night. And he's being the answer for everything. He's being the judge and the counselor and the doctor. He's being all the things to all the people. And he is just totally wearing himself out. And then his father, Jethro, comes along. It says, when Moses' father, father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, "What what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. Listen, when your father-in-law says, Obey my voice. You should just listen. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and all this people will 
go to their go to their place in peace. So, do you know what a leader of ten is called? A small group leader. Like it's so clear, the you can't look for the leadership to do all the ministry. You are the church, so you are the ministers. Our church is. I don't know how all the churches do it, but in our church. You are the ministers. I am the one that's going to kind of teach you or train you or give you the tools to minister. I am the administer. And I'm not administration. I'm the administer. I'm adding to you the ministers. So um, the New Testament model is the fun model because we can see very clearly that the very church we are in started with these guys. In the book of Acts, it was this like uh, this book about the explosive growth of the early church. And the first 25 years, the church grew from 120 people in an upper room to over 100,000 people. 25 years from 120 people to 100,000 people. Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem at the time, had about 200,000 people in it. So half of the city were Christians, became Christians in the first 25 years. And that's my goal, is not to have half of New Braunfels. My goal is that that we would have such an impact on the community that it would be obvious that we are here, that Jesus is here and working through us. And so it's not about having a big church at all. Like, I don't care about that. What I care about is training you to be ministers in the community so that we can serve the people around us and lead them to Jesus. Like, y'all are with me on that, right? But the very first thought I have is they had 100,000 people. Where do you put all those people? Like, how are all those people having church? Like, what do they do? Y'all think that? Is this a pastor thing? Acts 1.15 says, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was was in all about 120 people. So if we go from there and we fast forward to the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches preaches his first sermon, and it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there added that day was about 3,000 souls. They baptized so many people that the water level in the river had to probably drop. Like, that's how many, 3,000 people, that, they became a mega church on day one. Like, that's huge. 3,000 people. Do you think stuff like that can still happen today? I believe so. Absolutely. We still have the same Holy Spirit, same God, same one. Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. He said, he said they added to their number day by day, over and over. Acts 4.4, 4. but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. When there's, in the Bible, whenever it says there are 5,000 men, because it says this a few times, that means there's probably between ten and 20,000 people there, because kids and women count. They just said men because it, side note, I have to say something about women in the Bible. They were writing these letters to a culture that completely disregarded women and children and so they had to write it in a way that they would continue reading if they had said there was three thousand women there they would have shut the book and and walked away because they're like well who cares so they wrote to the 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 attention that paul writes about women the attention he gives to women over and over would have been so controversial to the first people that were reading it because he's giving giving them so much respect and so much love and so much credit for ministry so Side note, there was probably between ten and 20,000 people there. Acts 5.14, and more than ever, believers were added to the, to the Lord multitudes. They got tired of counting. They're like multitudes of both men and women. The word multitudes there, the Greek word is plethi, and that stands, that's like plethora. So it was too many to count. In Acts 5.28, it says, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. So they go from, look, you're, you're filling the whole town with your teaching. So they go from that to, look, from addition to multiplication. Acts 6, 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Even the religious people were coming and getting saved. And so uh, look, I, we could walk all the way through the book of Acts and just look at the times where they were talking about how fast and how many people the church were going. But let's skip all the way to Acts 21. It says, everyone who heard this praised God and said to Paul, my friend, you can see how many tens of thousands of our people have become followers. The word for uh, tens of thousands is myriadis. 
and that's myriad. A myriad is 10,000, and this is just one church. One church in one town, and it's growing exponentially. Every day in the temple courts and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Christ is Jesus. In house to house, in small groups, in life groups. The way they grew the church was in life groups. One church, different location, different types of meetings. Um, but the, the important part is, whenever you think of how did they all meet together? Well, they met in the temple courts. They could not go into the temple. There was only certain people that could go in the temple, and they couldn't even go all the time. The priest could only go into the temple um, once a year. So he could only get in there um, ever so often. And so they couldn't come to the temple and meet. They didn't have a building where they could come. So they were all outside in Jerusalem. There's this, the, the temple that's at the center. You could fit 50,000 people outside and, and be fine. And so that's how they did it. They had their large group meeting outside of the temple in the temple courts. And there's an S on there because there are multiple courts around the temple. So it's large group worship and then small group fellowship and discipleship. They did the large group worship. They all met together. And then they met from in house to house. So we have a biblical understanding of what a church should look like. There are churches that don't try to meet in groups outside of their Sunday meetings. I think those churches are not really following the biblical way that churches are supposed to be operating. And I'm not like bashing them. It's just the Bible's telling us exactly. Sometimes the Bible is a very clear how-to. And sometimes it's like this is, sometimes it tells you exactly what to do. And then sometimes it says this is the way you should think. This is what they did. You should think this way. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. So the church at the same time should grow larger and larger and smaller and smaller. So just like as a tree is growing up, the, the taller a tree gets, the deeper its roots go. It grows down at the same time so that it, as it can withstand things that tall trees have to withstand. The, the winds that it has to. For you, the way that you can withstand the big storms that are going to come along in your life is you grow down, you grow roots deep, you connect with each other so that whenever you have to face a storm, you're not facing that storm alone. You have people that are there with you, that are holding you accountable, that are bringing you close. The people that will visit you when you're sick, people that will bring you food when you can't make food, people that will serve you and love you. That's what we do in our, in our life groups. We, we grow larger through worship and we grow smaller through fellowship, larger through Sunday services and smaller through our life groups. This was the same model that they followed in the city of Ephesus and Corinth and Rome and Thessalonica and Philippi. They all followed this same model, large group together and then small groups in homes. All of them did the same thing. And in Romans 16, 5, Paul writes, also, give my greetings to the church that meets in your home. They're t- this over and over and over, we see it. This is the way the church is supposed to do it. In the first 300 years of Christianity, it went from 12 disciples to the official um, religion of the Roman Empire. Even Caesar was a Christian. Look, there's two ways and two reasons that happened. One was um, that at first, it was illegal for you to be a Christian. And the best thing that can happen for church growth is persecution. Always. Because the reason is, the people that, uh, that say they're Christians and aren't, they go away really quickly. They go away because they, can't, they don't have roots. They can't stand any kind of storm, so they blow away. The real Christians have to stand up and be real Christians. The real Christians have to like, the things that they say they mean and the things that they say they do and they say they believe, they have to live those things out. And whenever you're forced to live out your faith, it becomes real. And it becomes attractive to people. And people want to know, look at the church in China. It's just growing exponentially because those people are not allowed to be Christians. And so, like, I know y'all. And if I tell y'all y'all are not allowed to do something, y'all going to do that thing. It doesn't matter what I say. Like, y'all going to do that. Look, y'all, every time the government comes out with some new kind of rule, y'all are like, I ain't doing that. Like, I don't care. Y'all, just, I'm measured. So that's the first thing. In first service, I had to, like, say something political to wake them up. Y'all are awake. Second, the second thing, so the first thing is persecution, and the second thing is, uh, and I'm not even sure I'm supposed to say this, but they didn't have a church building. So when you don't have buildings, you'll grow because you have to meet in smaller places and you have to keep gathering, and it's just this infectious thing that happens. Large groups are a core essential for Life Church New Braunfels because it's biblical. That's very important to us. It's biblical. 
when Jesus began his ministry, the very first thing he did was he started a small group. Like he grabbed 12 guys, 12 knuckleheads, like we can see story over and over. And there's knuckleheads in here. We're on the right track. Like we're doing it. Uh, and so he, that's how he started his ministry. The second thing is it's, it's, it's personal. It's, it, you have individual care whenever you're part of a life group. You know people and you are known for good or bad. It is hard for you to slip through the cracks if you belong to a, a life group. Because you may want to at times just kind of skip out. And like, if you skip church, somebody in your, your group is going to be like, hey, why weren't you at church? And you're going to be like, leave me alone. I just wanted to sleep. And they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? You need Jesus. And they're going to get you. And for good or bad, like for good or bad, sometimes it's good. Sometimes you're like, I just need a break. Like, I just need a break. And it's fine. But also, you get to do that to them. So, like, you're like, well, that's not fair. Like, but you get to do it to them. So it, it works out. It's personal. People need connections with other Christians in order to live the Christian life successfully. It's a fact. You may think I can be a Christian and not go to church. You cannot. Like, you cannot. You will fall away. You will leave the faith. It is factual. Jesus said, you, the way that people will know that you're my disciple is by your love for one another. If you are not in a church, you don't have love for one another because there's no one another. It's just one, and it's you. And so you have to be part of a church in order to love the people in the church. And you cannot grow. You cannot successfully walk out the Christian life. It is not designed for you to do it alone. You will fail. Absolutely will fail. Another great thing about uh, life groups is that they're very flexible. Some of you are like, I can't meet on Wednesday nights. So I'm, I'm really missing out on that. Okay, well, your life group doesn't have to meet on Wednesday nights. You can figure it out. If you want to meet at 2 a.m. on Tuesdays, that's up to y'all. Like, you can do your life group whenever you want. It's up to you. If you want to do it on Saturday, don't do it on Sunday mornings, please. But if you want to do it another time, like, you can do it anytime you want. It's, it's up to you. Um, and also, some groups will, like, say, say, all right, we're going to meet for exactly one hour. That's fine. If that's how you want to do it, meet for one hour. Some groups are like, we're going to meet for four hours. That's fine. If you want to do that, do that. It's, it's very flexible. We can't change our Sunday mornings. Like, if we just said, oh, some of y'all can't make it Sunday morning, all right, we're going to move it to Saturday night. Like, no, we can't do that. Like, that's, this large group gathering is, is good for everyone. Life groups are not a program that the church is doing. Life groups are the church. It's very important that, that we all get this is the church. It's not a program. It's not something we're trying out. It's not something that we're going to do and see if it works. This is the church, and it's biblical. It's straight out of the Bible. So we have to do it. Whenever we find things, listen, whenever you're reading the Bible and you find something that you're like, well, that wasn't in there before, it was. You just didn't read it that way before. And whenever you find a new thing that's new to you, line your life up with that thing. Because the sooner you line your life up with that thing, the better your life is going to be. And I don't, whenever I say better, I don't mean better. It's like easier. Life's going to be easy for you. I'm not saying that at all. But you're going to be better equipped for the life that you're living every single time. So I'm going to give you some practical things that our life groups will do. But I'm going to read this straight out of Acts. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who, this is cause and effect. Look what happens when everyone is doing the things they're supposed to do. Whenever they're, they're part of that group, and they're, they're devoting themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship, which is the groups, and they're, they're breaking bread together, and they're praying together, and all came upon every soul, and then many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. That, that makes us able to do what God has called us to do, to do the miraculous things whenever the church is being the church. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and any, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Where? See, I said in first service that y'all were just going to be on that. So, and they were, uh, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread. Where? I really thought if I said it again, y'all would be better. In their homes, in their groups, 
Uh, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Y'all are good at receiving food with glad and generous hearts. I'll tell you that much. Uh, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, and they devoted themselves. So it, we go back, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking bread and prayer. This is like this is like a a how-to. This is a how-to guide on on how to do life groups. Um, this is just super practically speaking. Our life groups are going to be. It's going to be a sermon-based discussion. You may have been at a church that had. Um, small groups, and they did it this way or that way or the other way. This is how we're going to do it. Um, some places, we did it before, and we were like, all right, so this group is going to talk about the five love languages, and this group's going to do Alpha, and this group's going to do like a marriage course, and this group's going to do something else, uh, Francis Chan uh, video series. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be a sermon-based discussion. There's a few things that I really, really like about the sermon-based discussion. The first thing is that everyone is growing. The entire church is growing in the same direction. So we're all, uh, we're all getting the same thing. And most people, you know, have you, if you've ever been part of a, a group, let's say you were part of a small group and you're studying the book of Romans. And so it's, it's Tuesday night. The group is at 6 o'clock. And at about 5.30, you start to drive over to your, to your small group meeting, Okay. And you're like, today we're talking about Romans 5. I forgot to read it. Oh, no. And you start to, you're trying to read Romans 5 on the drive over there, and you're trying to figure out something smart to say so that everyone thinks that you're holy and that you read something, you were like studying it all week. And so you're like, you're like YouTube, Romans 5, something good. And like you just can't figure out. So, so you're, you're trying to figure out, look, that's, that's just reality. Like I know that... The good thing about sermon-based is, look, you're getting 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, however long I go. Um, you're getting that much training in the discussion time. So if you're going to church, you are getting the, the you're already 45 minutes into the study before I ever going to your life group. And if you miss, you can listen to the podcast. Yes, we have a podcast, and it is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. So it's in... We don't, there's no, it's not monetized in any way, so we don't get any money. Um, but you can listen to the podcast, so it's very sermon-based discussions are very accessible to everyone. Um, so for, for all of us, the, one of the great things about this is um, most spiritual growth happens on a need-to-know or a need-to-grow basis. If you think back through your life and the times that you really grew exponentially spiritually is when you one you needed to know something like you're you're facing something at work and you're like I wonder what the Bible says about that and you start to do a little bit of study and when you start to do study on the practical things that are actually in your life you're going to grow and so you, you're looking through and you're like I feel like that's illegal and we shouldn't be doing that I wonder what the Bible says about that or maybe it's just immoral and you're not really sure so you you need to know the information here the other one is need to grow and the need to grow is very similar to the need to know except the need to grow is where you're facing a life crisis someone in your family dies or something major happens in your life and you have to figure out how should I live now what exactly should I do? That's a need to grow. You have to grow into this next phase. And so the, the focus for our, our small group and for our discussions is not on the curriculum. It's on the process. And that process of being in that group, the ultimate goal is to strongly connect people to the two things that they will need when they face the need to know or the need to grow situation. And those two things are the Bible and each other. Those are the most important things. When you face a crisis in your life, and let me just, I'm not a weatherman, but I'm telling you, a storm is coming in your life. There is a storm on the horizon that is coming. It may not happen, it may not happen this week. It may, it may not happen for a month. It may, it may not happen for 10 years, but there's a storm coming. And I hope it doesn't happen for a long time for you, but the storm is coming. Whenever you face that storm, you're going to need two things more than anything else. You're going to need to know what the Word says. You're going to need to know what God says about you. And you're going to need to know how to navigate that storm. And the other thing you're going to need more than anything else is other believers to rally around you. If you go into the hospital 
You're going to need other believers to rally around you, to come in there and pray for you. You're going to need other believers to be able to lock arms with you and run after the Lord with everything. You need each other, and that's the most important part. It's not about the discussion. It's about the connections you're making with each other around the discussion. The discussion's good because it's getting you in the Word and it's helping you to grow. But the, the connections you make with each other are the, the most important part of us in our life group. So it really is the main goal is our fellowship and our discipleship um, because we can study the Bible in here, uh, but we can't do fellowship and discipleship effectively in here in the, in the big group. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for each other. Um, this is, the, when it says that in Acts Two, it says that they were uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. The word is prositus, and that is this, the word. That's the word for prayer in Greek, and it's this interactive prayer. It is not just when you pray to God; it's when you're praying in a group together to God. And it, in a big group like this, I know some of your prayer needs, and I pray for you guys often, um, but. I don't know everyone's needs. In a, in a life group, everyone's going to know everybody's prayer needs, and it's good because I've seen uh, people that have had healthy life groups or, or small groups that have, have been in that group for 30 years, and those people do vacations together. They do all of life together, and that's, what, uh, that's really what it's about is doing life together with each other, right? So uh, we help each other, and we serve each other and the community. Um, it says, uh, I told you that, that it's a how-to. This is not a how-to. It says, and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Please do not sell your possessions and your belongings. And dis- Please don't do that. Like, you can do some of that if you want, but I'm not telling you to sell your house and give all the money to the church because you're not coming to live with me. Like, I love you, but ain't no more room in my, church, in my house. So um, this is not the how-to, but this is a how-to have the right heart about the group that you belong to, that, that you live and you love sacrificially so that you love people in a way that you're willing to sacrifice for, for each other, that you know each other so well that you're willing to, to bring them in close and give up things, give up liberties, give up the possessions in order to, that they would have more, right? So people can attend here on Sundays and never get connected. Uh, I had someone here say that they felt like they weren't welcomed and connected. Look, I, I really believe that if you come here and you don't feel welcome, you had to try to do that. Our, our people are good at talking to each other and welcoming people when they come in. Someone came to me and said, hey, I came to your church for like three months and I never felt connected. And, uh, and I said, well... Um, in the nicest, y'all know how I'm, I'm loving and pastorly, right? So I said, look, you came in every week after worship started, and then you left before I said amen at the prayer at the end. And so the problem is you, dummy. Like, I love you, and I want you to be connected, but you're the issue. Like, if you, you have to try. If you don't want to be connected, you don't have to be connected but you have to try around here because they're going to bug you and you're going to get hugs even if you're like one of those people that's like, mm, no thanks. They're still going to hug you. I'm sorry. Like we, we thought about doing that bracelet thing that they were doing during COVID. Remember the, red, the green, red, and yellow? Like green was yes, hug me please, I'm, and, which is weird. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> you know those people with the signs of free hugs? You're like those are the people you don't want to hug, okay? Okay. Uh, like, if you want to hug that bad, you've probably got some issues. And then the yellow was like, ask me. And then the red was like, stay away from me. Um, we thought about that for a while, but there's no way to stop Mo from hugging you. Like, there's no way. So uh, you're going to, if you want to be connected, you're going to be connected. If you don't, if people, look, I'm going to give you the green light to connect with everyone that comes to church here. Connect with each other. If people don't want to be talked to, They'll stay at home and watch something on on the Internet. But everybody that's in the building with other people, you want to be talked to. So talk to each other. Everybody in the room, you feel free to talk to them. You'll know pretty quick if they don't want you to talk to them. Like, please, try to read their facial expression. Like, because sometimes y'all be talking, y'all will not stop. And we're like, hey, they're done with you. Like, move along. 
Like, uh, let me just let y'all in a little pastor secret. I have um, body language things that I do for other people in the room whenever I need to be saved from a conversation. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell y'all that. But there are, like, if you see me talk, like, I'm, this is not one of them. So if I do this while I'm talking to you, like, if I'm doing this while you're, like, I'm trying to signal to the other people that know my secret signs because I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, you're taking too much of my time. Look, I love you. I, every time I'm talking to Pam, I'm, like, doing those body language signals. Like, I'm like, I need out of this conversation. I'm doing this while she's talking to me. She doesn't, she doesn't get it. She still keeps talking to me. Uh, but talk to each other. Connect with each other. That is how you will figure out what life group you want to join because you're going to be asked to pick a life group. Um, you cannot do this alone. That is not how the body of Christ works. We need you. If you're watching online and today you said, I'm just going to stay at home because it's just about what I get from the message. No, you're wrong. We need you here. We need your body here. I'm looking at the camera in case you're wondering. We need you here. Okay. So come here. Come to church. Let us see your face because we need you. And you need us as well. So um, whenever we talk about what our job is, in Ephesians 4.12, my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. Church leadership's job is not to do all the ministry. We do a lot of the ministry, but our job is not to do all of the ministry. Our job is to equip the saints to do ministry. The saints would be you. That doesn't mean the New Orleans saints. The saints would be you. We are to equip you to do ministry. I, like I said earlier, I'm the administer. I am feeding you so that you can feed others. I'm training you so that you can train others. I'm serving you so that you can serve others. And I will feed and I will lead you to do the ministry. So this church, if this is your church, I'm asking you, will you commit to doing ministry? Some of you. This, it's really this section and... So I need you, the church, to commit to being ministers. and Because I, I promise you, I will continue to train you to do that. Because I cannot, your, your circle, your sphere, I can't go into that sphere and get people saved. I can't go and talk to your neighbors for you. Like, that's your job. You are the minister to those people. God put you where he put you so that you can minister to those people. It's funny, like in, in the engagement project, it talks a lot about ministering to your neighbors. Like you believe that God can create the entire universe. He can make the body work perfectly. He can do all these miraculous things, but he cannot put your neighbor living next door to you. Like seriously, you think he can do all those things, but he, you think the, the neighbors you have is an accident? Like, that's not, that did not happen on accident. God orchestrated that. And you being right where you are, right when you are, is because God wants you to minister to them. So, 95% of churches in America have less than 150 people. Do you know why 95% of churches are that small? It is because that is about the amount of people that one pastor can handle. It's... Because all of the ministry, at most churches, all of the ministry goes through the pastor. And I refuse. I am not going to be the bottleneck of your ministry. I, I am not going to prevent you from, I will burn out. And it's really difficult to get me to burn out. But I will burn out if I have to do all of the ministry. Like I, I, am, I will do everything I can to lead you and teach you and train you so that you can do the ministry. But I'm not going to stand in the way because I'm just not that guy. Like, I'm not equipped enough to handle 300 or however many people, 150, 10, 1. Like, I'm, I'm barely able to take care of myself. So I, I cannot be the guy that's preventing you. So if you want to see the results of what happens when the ministers are being, uh, the people are being the ministers and the leaders are being the equippers, look, it's really clear. And the Lord added to their number of day, their number Day by day, those who are being saved. When we are the church and the way that the church is supposed to operate, um, what will happen is the church will grow, not just up, but down. The church will grow in depth. The church will grow in that you are leading people to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I put NLT because I, I know how y'all be tripping. So uh, all, all 
It says all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Alone we are not the body, but together in the smaller groups we are the cells that make up the healthy body. So I'm going to give you a, a quick, rough draft. They got mad at me at first service because I went like one minute longer than I normally go, and they were like, all right, hurry up. Like literally, Jessica was standing in the back like with her arms folded, tapping her foot like, <laughs> like we had plenty of time. Here's a rough draft, and, and I put rough draft because things can change, and they probably will. So we're going to have three semesters a year for these. It's not going to go nonstop like every week forever. Um, we'll have three semesters a year. Um, the first one, the next one's starting at the beginning of September. Um, the first Sunday in September is when it's going to start from September to Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, we may do some things on Wednesdays or do some things together. But from Thanksgiving to the end of the year, it's crazy. Like everybody's schedule super crazy. Everybody's busy. So that's a break. And then January to Easter is the next semester. And then Easter to the end of the school year. That'll be the third semester. So um, three, three semesters. Now, um, like I said before, it's sermon-based. Let me tell you what I'm going to commit to you to make this easier for you to handle these sermon-based uh, discussions. So as your leader, I will commit to having the discussion guide ready as soon as possible. It most likely, if you pull up your YouVersion uh, Bible app right now and you go to events and then you click on the event that's happening right now, this service, you'll actually see the discussion questions for this week, um, which will be on Wednesday night. We're doing it on Wednesday night, kind of a trial run. Those questions are already in there. So um, not this Wednesday, just, so, just to be clear. Not this Wednesday, but those are the, that's what it's going to look like. I did that so that you will see what it looks like. It has all of the notes of the sermon, and then it also has the discussion questions. So um, it'll be in the YouVersion app. If it's not in the YouVersion app, because we don't control that, sometimes that doesn't work. Um, we have our Facebook, which we also don't control. Um, our, it'll be on our Facebook page, um, and, if, and if both of those break for some reason, then it'll be uh, in your email box, I guess. Um, God is in control. Take that, devil. So um, also, the next thing is the, the audio. Sometimes you have to miss Sundays, and I get it, um, but you don't want to miss your, small, your, your life groups. I almost said it. You're, you don't want to miss your life groups. So the audio will be available as soon as possible. Today's audio will be on our podcast um, sometime today. Um, if you don't want to wait, you can go onto our Facebook, and you can watch the video. It's, it's, um, it's ready almost immediately after service. So um, the next thing is everyone, everyone in the church will be encouraged to join a group. If you're somebody that's just going to be like, no, nah, I just don't have time. I don't have time for another time slot. It doesn't matter. They're still going to try to pressure you. Like, I'm, I can tell them not to, but they're still going to. Because they know, we all know how important this is for you and for us. There are groups that need you to be part of it. So, side note, if you join a group... And you go to that group, and you're like, I don't like these people. <laughs> that is a possibility, that you will join a group, and you won't like those people. This is what I'm going to say to you, because you're going to come to me and be like, hey, I don't like those people. And I'll be like, suck it up, buttercup. Like, you have to finish the whole semester. Like, just finish that semester. Because sometimes you stick it out with them, and you're like, wait a minute. I really do like these people. And it turns out that you do like those people. Um, they were just calling you on your baloney, and you didn't like that. See, that's really what happened. Like you were doing something wrong, and they were like, hey, um, I was in the restaurant last night, and I saw you with like four margaritas and four beers in front of you. Why did you do that? And you're like, that's none of your business. Like, it is their business because they are the church, and you are too, and they're calling you out. So sometimes you don't like that. Um, you can change groups at the end of the semester. Like, you can feel free to change groups. If there's a new person that wants to join, you're not in a group, and you want to join in mid-semester, you are going to be welcome to do that. You don't have to wait until the beginning to, to start again. And you know what is great about that is you won't be behind on the curriculum because the curriculum is Sunday. It's, it's new every Sunday. It's something new every Sunday. So um, my request from experience is, like I said before, don't pressure people on their first day. Give them a month to come and say that they're going to keep coming to the church and then pressure them and then make them feel guilty about not. Don't do that either. So 
Um, we're also going to have service projects available for your group. True Light always has something uh, that they uh, that they have available for us. True Light is the the uh, foster home, and they always. It's very important that you're putting your faith into action, because when you put your faith into action, uh, you actually have to live that faith out. And it's it's difficult to fall through the cracks whenever that that kind of stuff is happening. So. Um, it's very difficult for us to, to get the whole church to do a service project. It's not difficult for you to get your 10 friends that are in your life group to do something. Um, so a thing that we are trying to figure out is um, Wednesdays may look a little different. We may not do a meal on Wednesday nights. Um, I know y'all are mad about that. But the building is going to be available for you, for a few uh, life groups to, to do their group on Wednesday nights. Because we absolutely are. If you're, say you want to do your group on a Wednesday night, but you want to meet somewhere else, you can drop your kids off here and meet somewhere else. We'll take care of your kids. Um, because uh, also, just I'm going to say this multiple billion times, pick your kids up at 830 or else. Like I'll take your kids home and then I will give them a bunch of sugar <laughs> and then send them to your house. So Pick up your kids at 8.30 if you meet off campus. Um, the, the main reason we're keeping Wednesdays still here is for the youth and for the kids. The training that's happening right now in the kids' church, they're not being babysat. They're being, they're being discipled. They're being trained as ministers. And what they're doing over there, guys, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, is just as important as what we're doing in here. The training of the kids is just as important as your training. And so what we want to do is we want to disciple you so that you can disciple your children. The youth department is being trained to be ministers. The world that they're going to grow up in, they're going to need a, a head start on. And that's what we're doing. We're training them to be ministers. Discipling kids is just as important as discipling you. Most churches will, um, and I don't know how they do it, but most churches focus mainly on the adults because the adults are the ones that give money and they keep the lights on, as people say. What I think keeps the lights on is our dedication to the mission. And our dedication to the mission, God does the, the details. And God does the, the other stuff. So we're going to stay on mission, and we're going we're gonna to be about making disciples here, and all of the other stuff will take care of itself. So um, in the summer, since we're off, we're, as far as, as uh, life groups goes, we're probably going to do Alpha over the summer. So it, what we've learned is instead of trying to do the things that we did at our previous church that doesn't really work here, we're going to grab a hold of the things that we kind of naturally do in our community and, and our group of believers and our group of knuckleheads. We're going to do the things that we do well or that we naturally gravitate towards, and we're just going to enhance those things. Instead of trying to fit the, the triangle peg in the square hole, we're just going to do what we feel like God's leading us to do. Um, so we've tried to do a bunch of things that, that were very successful at our previous church, and they just don't work here. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind that. It's fine. It's been hard to let go of some things. For us, at our previous church, Wednesday nights were what it was all about. Like, it was all about Wednesday nights. We had literally 1,000 people come to church on Wednesday nights. 350, 400 of those were grade 5 down. 80% of those grade 5 down kids, their parents dropped them off. It was a very effective tool to reach the community. It's just that doesn't work here. It's n Wednesday nights are not evangelistic here. Sunday mornings are evangelistic. Whenever you want to introduce somebody to church, back home at the previous church, you brought them to Wednesday night. You want to introduce somebody to the church here, you bring them to Sunday morning. That's what it's about, We're, and I'm fine with that. So what I'll commit to you is every Sunday morning will be a message that is designed to help Christians become better Christians, but it's also done in a way that non-Christians can understand everything that's taking place. If, you were, if you're not a Christian, today was the first day you walked into church, you would understand everything that I've said. It's not too complicated, right? Are y'all with me on that? Okay, so our best evangelistic tool is you being served and trained well, and we don't, we don't do these things where we plan a bring your friend to church day. Um, you may have been at a church that's done that, bring your friend to church. We do want you, the day that we plan for you to bring your friend to church is Sunday. The day is Sunday. So we're having a very special bring your friend to church next Sunday. And we're going to do it every Sunday after that too. Um, so just bring your friend to church. And this is the easiest way to get your friends to come to church. Just say this, come and see what it's about. 
Like, come and see what it's about. If you're a terrible person and you're mean and you're rude, don't invite people to this church. And please don't tell people you go to this church <laughs> because we don't want people to associate your bad attitude with Jesus and our church. Like, Jesus first and also our church. So, um, but what I know about you is you're not that kind of person. You're a loving person. You're a caring person. You're trying to reach out to people and love them as best you can. Tell them, look, this, the reason I'm like this is because of Jesus. And I go to this church. Say, come and see. Come and see what we're about. There's your whole evangelistic tool. Come and see. That's it. Come and see what we're about. And I promise um, some people will come and they just won't like it. I'm not many people's cup of tea, and it's fine. Like, I, I will pretend that doesn't bother me. Um, but for most people that come here, they feel loved, and they feel welcomed, and they feel like, yeah, I think I could, I think I could, could join here. I, I like this. Um, so tell them. Come and see. Bring them. Drag them. Trick them. I don't care. Get them here. <laughs> and then see what happens. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, that you continue to call us to, uh, to greater things than we could ever do on our own. And, and Lord, we ask that, uh, that you would show us the people that we should connect with in the small group, that not one single person that, that this is their church home would, would uh, skip out on being part of a life group. We pray for those groups. We pray for those leaders. We pray for the people that, uh, that feel like uh, they just need that connection. That, that they would find a group that they could be connected with and that those groups would disciple each other and that it would be a good and godly thing. We know that it's biblical, so we are going to do it. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.